The Level Up podcast is sponsored by Opt Real Estate. Wherever you are in America, finding the best real estate agent can be like finding a needle in a haystack. That's why the team at Opt Real Estate has built a nationwide network of the best real estate professionals in each part of the country. And they did it the old fashioned way by traveling, compiling market stats, and getting to know agents in all 50 states. Call today to be placed with one of America's best agents. They can be reached at 503-908-4908, or they can be reached at theopt.com. My risk profile has been very different from other people that I know. And one of the key like elements to it is that I am not afraid to fail. And that has been the biggest, I think, career motivator for me. I don't like failing. I don't want to fail. I'm not afraid of it, right? Because I'll do anything I can to, to stop failure, you know, build towards, towards something great. But that risk profile of not being afraid to fail, but being able to figure out how to avoid it has always served me really well. Understanding what it means to build a tech startup is really important because there's a lot of glamour associated with it. There's a lot of hype around tech startups growth. And, and you know, most do fail. And, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing if you're learning a ton from it and can put that into another project. But like, it's really, under, it's really important to understand why a tech startup is so hard. It, it's because you're trying to redefine process that hasn't been done before. You're trying to redefine something that people either buy or want, but using a completely different method than was previously available. You're doing it with fewer resources than you, you need, right? You have to do it on a faster timeline. And, and then on top of it, you have to find the best talent and convince them to take less compensation and believe in the upside of the business in order to join you on this crazy journey. There are things that are thrown at you left and right, like the fundamentals of building a business that most business owners get to do over years, you have to do in hours, right? Like from payroll to hiring accountants to figuring out all of the logistics of uh, regulatory environments. Like those things are not easy, uh, but you have to do them for any business. And it's just assumed that you're gonna be able to do them fast and better than anyone else when you start a tech startup. Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. I'm John Robinson, host and creator of Level Up, the podcast for professionals. The goal of Level Up is that you listen to each episode and walk away with one to two key learnings that you can apply to your own career. You just heard from Alec Hartman, co-founder and CEO of Welcome Homes. Alec is largely in charge of the overall strategy and vision for Welcome Homes as he gets ready to lead the company through its next phase of growth. Prior to co-founding Welcome Homes, Alec was the founder and CEO of Tech Day, the largest tech conference company in the US and Europe, and co-founder of DigitalOcean, one of the largest cloud infrastructure providers in the world. They had a successful IPO in 2021. In every business, Alec has a passion for solving large-scale problems and believes that the real estate industry is ripe for an upgrade. In today's episode, we walk through Alec's career, his advice to other entrepreneurs, and a deep dive in the Welcome Homes business model. 
Well, Alec, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and welcome to Level Up. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to talk about your background, both from an engineering perspective and then founding several different companies. You've been in tech for 15 years and most recently entered in the residential real estate space with Welcome Home. So I think it'd be helpful, you know, back up a little bit and, and talk about your early days as an entrepreneur and hear about your background. Sure. I could kind of take you through my lens. I've had a non-traditional uh, career path, I'd say, but it kind of came from a place that really made sense for me at the time. So like, I wanted to be a lawyer at first, actually. And I was a paralegal at a firm in college. And um, I think I was pretty, pretty good at it. Um, and I was, I was working at it. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, like, I really ended up not sort of liking some dynamics of law, like, I, I wasn't able to actually help people like I thought I would be like, I saw the career path being kind of kind of linear. And uh, I ended up leaving. And then I kind of had nothing to do uh, during my senior year of college, because I had taken all directed study classes, and it was just kind of, kind of empty as far as schedules. Um, so a really good friend of mine said, Hey, Alec, if you take this internship at this accounting firm that I'm working at, we can have lunch every day. And I was like, okay, great. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything to do. So this is fantastic. Right. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I, I have something to do and I'll have lunch with my friend. So, um, I did, I took this, I didn't know anything about marketing, but like, I knew that I needed to find something else to be interested in because law wasn't for me. Um, and so this accounting firm produced events and they used that as an acquisition channel for customers. And so they didn't really care about, you know, sort of profitability in the events or, or any of those things, because it was all lead gen sources. And I came in as this sort of like intern, didn't really know anything. And I just started asking questions, right? Like, well, why do we do these events? And okay, but what, if, if they were profitable or if they lost less money, couldn't we do more? And you know, like, I guess it had just been so, such an established thing that they were like, well, yeah, sure. If you can make them make money, that'd be great. Right. Um, so I spent part of my senior year. That's, that's what I did. I said, well, I, I can figure out how to do that. That doesn't sound like it'd be too difficult. And so I tried a few different things, some partnerships and, you know, ultimately was able to, to add a lot of value to those events. And they gave me a, a full-time job offer, uh, after my internship. And it was for at the time, like a lot of money. Um, you know, and, and I think that was sort of the turning point for me. Cause I, I did turn it down and I said, look, if I could add that much value in such a short period of time, like I have to see if I could do this for a business, you know, sort of on my own. Um, and I did, uh, moved back to Florida, started, started, um, you know, puttering around in business, thinking about like, where can I add value, le learn to code, uh, cause I'd always loved technology. And then, you know, sort of started a small little business and, and sold it, and made enough money where I could move to New York. And when I moved to New York, I knew how to code. And, you know, at, at the time, I guess it would have been around 2009, 8, 9, 10-ish, maybe. Um, there wasn't really tech in New York at all, right? Like it was all in San Francisco. So I knew how to code. And there were a lot of other people that were interested in tech and a lot of people that, you know, because, because of how, like, the economy was doing, like, had either lost their jobs or were interested in transitioning from their jobs in finance into technology. And so I met a lot of people and there started to be like a big tech group that, that were people who were interested. And, um, you know, I ended up meeting who would become my co-founders of DigitalOcean through that. 
And, uh, you know, we, we worked on some pretty interesting stuff and then really found sort of a need for uh, a pretty specific product, right? Hosting for individual web developers uh, and built that product and went on the whole journey of like building a startup. We went through an accelerator in Colorado, Techstars, and, you know, the whole process of like building a business. Uh, and, you know, that's been my career path has been building businesses from the very early idea stage all the way through, uh, well, in DigitalOcean's case, IPO and uh, fundraising, running the whole gamut of like tech experience, hiring, managing, um, and made pretty much every mistake you could make, I think, uh, and learned, I don't know, I'd say like a considerable amount, uh, not considerable relative to the amount I should learn, but, you know, a good, a good bit of what not to do and how to think about things. And I think across my career, the pattern has always been pretty similar, right? Like if I can learn something really well, then I can understand it enough to bring people closer to the idea, right? And when I started Welcome, which is my current business that builds homes, you know, before I started it, I took about nine months and I rented a factory space and I picked up a nail gun and I just learned to build a home. Like I built a home in a factory and then put it down on the ground. Like I, I wanted to learn every detail. And that's been consistent with what I found like in business. If I can learn stuff, then I can apply all the disciplines from all the other weird things that I've done in my career into the business. And I think that's really where you're able to add like lots and lots of value. So that's been, that's been sort of my edge in business over time. Yeah, that, that is, uh, that's pretty inspiring. I mean, you've had three different companies that you've started now. You've had a lot of success in your career. I guess, what advice would you have for kind of other aspiring entrepreneurs? How do you select the industries that you start. And, you know, you talked a little bit about the business plan, raising money. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are wanting to do uh, something similar? I think the first thing kind of, you have to think about risk appetite, right? Like I have a high risk appetite uh, and risk reward profile. And like, sometimes that's not a good thing for everybody, but it, it is a necessary component of building an early stage company. And that comes from a place, you know, pretty early on uh, where I looked at some of the lifestyle stuff that I'd want and like, I wanted to be able to travel and do cool things and have houses. I've always been attracted to houses and stuff. And I realized like a, a linear career trajectory, you know, even working up as, as a lawyer uh, through partner wouldn't necessarily get me to where I wanted to be, right? Like it, it wouldn't necessarily give me enough money, enough like time with my family and all, all of the sort of like dynamics that I wanted in my life. Uh, so it was, in my mind, a 0% probability that running that sort of career path would work for me and what I wanted. Um, now, when building a business, I realized I could build a business five times and fail four of them, and I would still have a better shot at getting what I wanted out of life. And so from an early age, understanding that, my risk profile has been very different from other people that I know. Um, and one of the key like elements to it is that I am not afraid to fail. And that has been the biggest, I think, career motivator for me. I don't like failing. I don't want to fail. But I'm not afraid of it, right? Because I'll do anything I can to, to stop failure um, and, and build, you know, build towards, towards something great. But that risk profile of not being afraid to fail, but being able to figure out how to avoid it has always served me really well. And, you know, that sort of extends to fundraising. I think when I look at entrepreneurs who, who come to me, most often they come and they're like, Alec, can you tell me how to raise money? Like, that's such a difficult concept. I don't know how to think about it or how to approach it. 
And, um, you know, oftentimes I'll say like, look, you know, you, you're, you're trying to go about this, this fundraise process by trying to have all the answers about things that it's not possible for anyone to have an answer about, right? And when you look at the risk profile from an investor standpoint, you know, what their biggest risk is you. It's like, how can you manage complex problems or be able to change what you do if you're wrong, right? So like, not everyone wants to hear that you have all the answers. You've thought about everything. It's that you're someone that they can trust with money and trust to run a business responsibly. And when things go wrong, because they will, that you could figure out how to logically deal with those things, right? And um, those have been sort of the biggest lessons I've learned and the best advice I've given to founders is just like check, check in and risk profile. Understand that everyone has a risk profile for anything that they're doing in business and in life. And, you know, really understand where those risks are for them. And you could always work something out or figure out how to make sort of a mutually advantageous solution out of it. Um, and it's exemplified in fundraising. It's exemplified in hiring. It's exemplified in operations. But, you know, all of those things are sort of common, like know your own risk profile and know those of the people around you. Switching gears, going to your current venture, I'd love to hear how the idea came about. At Zillow, we talk often about how frustrating stressful and chaotic the real estate transaction is. And I know there's a lot of companies that are attempting to change that. But specifically for new construction buyers, we know this is a stressful event. So I'd love to hear how the idea came about. Would love to hear the the mission of Welcome Homes. Sure. Well, John, I mean, that that is a lot of how it came about, right? Like it is a stressful event. And and my question was, why does it need to be? Why Why does it need to be so complicated? Um, and I thought about that question a lot. You know, I, I first looked at existing homes and um, I just couldn't find something that I wanted, especially in the areas I was looking for, just the, the age of the homes there wasn't what I wanted overall. And so then I, my atten attention really started to like, well, why can't I build something? And I didn't know anything about building homes, right? Despite like, I love architecture and design and homes and all of those things. Like my background is a tech person, right? Like I, I knew how to code. Um, so I didn't know anything about homes. And when I thought about building a home for me, even it was, it was very daunting. And at the time I was retired, so I didn't have anything else to do. And so when I, I started the construction process and I, I realized like, I need to ask questions here. And then I started to ask more and more and more and more questions to everybody, right? From architects to engineers, to designers, I realized the magnitude of how daunting it would be to, to build a new house. But I also looked at some of the stats, some of which, you know, uh, you guys put out all the time, like of what the, what the appeal is, especially to sort of like millennial segment buyers for new. And it's uncharacteristically high. Like it's, it's giant. Like everyone wants new, you know, like I think in, in the position of people's heads, like it's, it's like an iPhone or a phone, right? They want the newest, best you can get when it comes to a house, but that's just not tenable, right? Like, it, it, and it's mostly for organization and simplicity. Like th those things are not there. Uh, cost profiles of building a home could be kind of similar to an existing home, in fact, but just the ability to get it isn't. And so that frustration is what really pushed me to start Welcome. Because once I understood how to build a house, like really in depth, pick up the nail gun and build a house. And I understood technology, like what it would take to organize all of the elements of building a house and evaluating property dynamically and like understanding all the complexities of it. it. It was about bridging the two of those. And I realized this is a major thing that we can, we can help people do. And it's a product that everyone, including myself really wants, 
but just given its complexity, it's completely unattainable. And there's no other way to do it other than adding a, an element of technology and creating a business model that would allow us to actually build in places scalably. Um, so that's what we set out to do. And I think, you know, overall, the mission of the business is really to bring uh, new homes to people's fingertips, right? Like, th this isn't something that was readily available for, for the last, I would say, 80 years. I'd say Sears, Sears kind of did it uh, back in the early 1900s, but that was really shipping you a kit. Um, but there was wild popularity with that, right? Like, there are great catalogs. I have all the catalogs. They're really cool. And, and even in that, conceptually, like they did for the day, put homes at people's fingertips. And it was amazing because they, they could get that product. So we've thought about that a lot. And we've copied a lot of the, the ideas of, of simplicity. And we've tried to make pretty good designs that we think really exemplify modern living. And that's been the philosophy of the business and how we got into it and you know, what's been motivating us. Yeah, I mean, the thing I love about it is you can truly customize your dream home. Soup to nuts, you take care of everything. And, you know, whether it's talking to contractors, looking at how the house sits on the land, customizing your materials, you can even get financing through you guys. Yeah, through one of our partners, uh, absolutely. And and that's that, if, if we continue to, to get better and better at making the process easier, I think that opens it up to, to more and more people. Um, and that's been our goal, right? Like, can we make this a thing? Can we make new home, new homes like attainable for people? Uh, and I'd like to think we're on the right path. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, th I think, you know, we've agreed on how stressful it is and there's so many moving parts. Let's actually talk a little bit about the traditional, like typical new home process. There's zoning, there's permitting, there's house plans. You have to choose your finishes, inventory issues when you choose materials. We saw that with COVID. And the other thing that, you know, we saw kind of front and center was pricing was changing so quickly. A model would come out, um, that price would be, you know, X. And then in a few weeks later, it was, it was quickly turning into more increases and turning into Y. So the other huge selling point for me is the fact that everything is guaranteed with with a price uh, with Welcome Home. So uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about that process um, and then kind of hit on how, again, you guys just make it so easy. Sure. I have built uh, a few custom homes now, um, mostly for intellectual curiosity, uh, also because I needed some places to live. Uh, but, you know, the... The common thing has been the level of detail you need uh, is so high because everything is done just for you from architecture that, you know, the layouts are specific to everything you want. There's no like testing it and having multiple people look over it, right? There's no value engineering, which is the process of making the home sort of easier and cheaper to build. You know, it's all very, very highly custom and the risk profile of things going wrong, I think is significantly higher because this is, you know, one or two people who are designing something just for you. It will never be for anyone else. You know, the dimensions of the rooms are not going to be the same in any other house that you're going to build. It's a one-off thing. And so that, that creates a setting where you have to get everything right. Um, you can't not get something right. Otherwise you have problems. And oftentimes even the best custom builders and the best architects, uh, you know, we run into issues. And that's cool because the, it's about the experience of getting what you want. You know, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with a custom home. It's just a product that's very 
you know, it's, it's for a very specific person. Um, I, I sort of like anecdotally say like, you know, for rich people, building a custom home is a great product because you get what you want. You have plenty of time to like get what you want. Right. Uh, but for everybody else, for all of us who, who want something that's pragmatic and turnkey, but we also want new that that solution really isn't there. And so while I, I love the process of getting architect, sitting down, going over plans for six months, hiring and interviewing the builder that you want, right? Like looking at their work, getting ideas for finish options and things that you'd like to do within the home and then selecting each piece granularly. And like, I have a particular fascination with Excel, so I don't mind a 3000 item list of components to go through, right? Like that, that is not the process for everybody else. And so like, that is what is really involved in building a custom home. Even if that, that home is the same size as a, an existing home you could buy or, or something you could build, you know, something you could build a semi-custom like Welcome does, there's still an exhaustive list of things to do. And then of course there's like permitting, civil engineering, there's as built, which, you know, are, are representing how you built the home. There's, you know, any, anything you'd have to deal with financing wise from draws from banks or bridge payments to contractors. There's how subcontractors do things and quality assurance. So there are a lot of dimensions that go into a custom home. And again, that's not to say that building a custom home is a bad thing. Like, I think it's a great product for the people who have the time and the money to do it. Um, but for all of us who want a home quickly, but, and, and the passion, you know, the sort of the benefit of new, uh, that's where welcomes value prop is really strong, right? Because there isn't a great new way, a great way to get new otherwise. Like there are some spec builds out there, uh, which is where a builder has built everything from soup to nuts and it's new and it's ready for you. Uh, the price point's considerably higher and you don't really get to customize anything, which kind of takes the benefit out of the whole like fun process. Um, there is, there are community builds and those are great unless you're trying to be in a specific area or school district as most of us are. Um, so, you know, the, those are, those are harder, it's a harder sell to, um, to people who are looking for specific communities, like, okay, go into a place that's completely different than where you want it to be. Right. Um, or there's custom building, like we talked about. So none of those options are really value driven to the consumer, um, who's looking to, who's looking to move and get something new. That's why existing homes, you know, have 97% or whatever it is market share. It's, it's because of convenience, right? Like it is easy. You can do it. Um, and that's kind of where we wanted to dig in the most, where that value is, right? Bringing new homes conveniently to the customers. Yeah. I love the customer experience. I think the, the reason why I like that is it's, you've really kind of simplified the entire process into very digestible and easy to understand process. And I think that would be helpful for the listeners is to kind of walk through how it works. My understanding is customer selects the property from the pre-vetted inventory. Then it, you know, you start looking at the design um, where you get a guaranteed price and then you coordinate financing and really everything else. You know, the fourth is you handle everything else. You handle the building, the permitting and everything is uh, everything that's involved. <laughs> and normally quite stressful for going through the process is completely taken care of. Did I hit on that correctly? Wow. That was, that was exceptional. Yeah. Uh, it's just a few easy steps, right? Select property, select your design, choose upgrades, financing, which is pretty straightforward. You have guaranteed price. We build your house, you're done and you're in. 
typically what's the build cycle like? What would you use as a guardrail for customers that are interested in, in you know, going through this process? Is it 18 months? Is it 24 months? Um, how do you typically guide for that? Well, it really depends on the place that you want to build, right? Because there's a whole permitting process that in some places and for some pieces of property could take a while, right? But most often you'll find that if, you know, you choose property that's, uh, that's pretty straightforward, doesn't require any like serious modification or variance. And it's a town that, you know, this is a pretty standard, like new construction is something that they've seen, you know, enough, right? Like that process can be really quick. Uh, the actual build timelines could be as low as six months, right? So it doesn't take a ton of time to actually build the house. It's really just the things around it. Um, sometimes we factor in weather. And so like our guardrails are in the 12 month period, 12 month plus period, uh, but, but it doesn't actually take that long to build. I think the regulatory environment makes it a little bit more challenging. Uh, and I'm hopeful that as the need for new construction starts to get greater and greater, and we've seen that in recent headlines, like the large disparity that we have, I think the New York Times said around five and a half million homes and um, National Association of Home Builders obviously has put that number even higher, right? Like, as we see that we really need new housing inventory, I'm hopeful that the regulatory environment that take that makes this process take uh, quite a considerable amount of time starts to get reduced or starts to become more efficient. And then, you know, hopefully our guidance will start to come down in time as well. So we've talked about the simplicity of, of all of this, but, you know, there's actually quite a bit of tech that's working on, you know, in the background to make this possible and palatable. It'd be helpful to talk a little bit about the tech that allows you to generate, you know, the buildability and guaranteeing that pricing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the key aspects of the business is technology. We are a tech company. Um, we're not a traditional home builder. What we use technology for that's obvious is like the selection of materials, showing you your house, showing you your options, um, and, and really like getting your order in a place where you, you know what you're getting, um, which, which is pretty important, right? Like you kind of yeah. need to be able to visualize and know what you're getting. Uh, but on the back end, we use technology to evaluate land. And that's a really big deal because that takes a lot of time, like usually three to four months just to evaluate land. And usually a home is built specifically for a property. And so that, that is a major difference. We have our home models and we could tell you which ones fit or, and how expensive they would be to build on a given property. And so we kind of change the order here a bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I would I would assume that <clears throat> your technology knows local zoning, local ordinances, all of that. Like, how does that work? Zoning, ordinances, topography of the individual parcel, you know, road frontage, setbacks. There's dozens and dozens. I mean, I actually think there's thousands of dimensions that we use to evaluate property. And we also have a team that, you know, has a human element to this as well. So we, we look at each parcel to make sure that, we really do understand, you know, where the technology and sort of the human insight come together so we can assess property like really fast. So in the, the four month period, we do that in like hours to days. Right. Um, so it's a big difference that technology allows us to do. And we also look at like easements, records, deeds, all of the types of things that you you really need to look at to evaluate property. Uh, we do that with the aid of technology. Uh, we even like rock formations from aerial imaging and stuff like we, we look at all of that so that we can best assess like that property. Um, and that, that's that's really where we use tech 
to strengthen the offering and to get to guaranteed pricing, uh, you know, because we really do know a heck of a lot more than anyone else about what's under the ground and what it will take to build. The reason that Welcome is able to offer such attractive prices is because of a lot of what we do in the background, right? Like we try to eliminate all of the things that um, sort of humans do right now that can be done procedurally with computers uh, much faster, right? From understanding product sets instead of using Excel for hours, right? It's about technology aiding humans so that things can be done with the quality and skill of the humans, but the, the rote tasks be done by computers, right? And so that reduces our cost profile like rather significantly compared to someone who's spending a lot more time, energy and people power on projects, right? But I think more importantly, like our aim is always to be um, delivering a ton of value. So like to the extent that we can be less expensive, that that's our goal, right? To the extent that, you know, product prices come down, it, it would be our goal to have our prices come down as well. Because um, we see this as a direct corollary to, to US housing, right? Like, it's not about maximizing profitability for us all the time. It's about showing where the value is in building, because we know that that means that there's a repeat purchase, right? And we're here for the longer term. So uh, if you can get a, you know, for whatever great price you can get on a home, we believe that or a new home, we believe that we should be the best price uh, out there. Uh, and that's just because of all of the work we do to write down, you know, every, everything we can uh, associated with soft costs and hard costs in a given project. And so I, I like to think that Welcome's always going to be the best and most economical option for the value that we bring to the table. We've talked about the simplicity. We've talked about the technology. I think it'd be helpful to also kind of narrowly define who you work with and you know who you sell to. Sure. Today, uh, we sell mostly to middle class, upper middle class millennials, surprising number of first time, first time home buyers. And about 30% of our sales are second home buyers. So it's really sort of like in that age income bracket, um, you know, where, where people have a priority of new, they are looking for something that's really value driven for them, right? That is, is better what you, than what you can get sort of as a base, baseline existing home that's better than sort of older, older model homes um, in a lot of ways. But uh, it, it's not a full custom home where they're going to be spending 40, 50% more than an existing home. Easy, right? Uh, so that's really the segment we serve the best. And I like to analogize it with cars because I, I am a crazy car collector, frankly, like love cars. Um, <laughs> and my favorite car is the, the, I think it's the 1967, it might be 1969 Jaguar E-Type, which is like, it's a beautiful car. Like it, it's, it's really, really beautiful. It's super sleek. I believe that's the car that Enzo Ferrari said is the most beautiful car in the world at the time. And, and it's great, but it doesn't have air conditioning, right? Like it's, it is a work of art, but it isn't pragmatic for sort of everyday use, right? And I think that's what we see with a lot of our home builders or a lot of our home buyers. They're sort of going back and forth between, I want the beauty of these existing homes, but there's so much work I'd have to do to revitalize them, right? And, and you know, when you have a little bit of discretion in what you buy and, and sort of your income, when it's not just like, hey, this is the one home that I can afford to buy, when it's say, hey, I've got the market and I really have to make a lot of decisions, then that beauty and aesthetic like starts to be really appealing. But at the same time, you do want air conditioning, right? Like it's kind of an important thing. 
So we try to make that blend perfect, right? That blend of beauty and simplicity in experience and also newness and convenience that comes in a home. And so our segment of buyers, really those middle and upper middle class purchasers, some first time home buyers that have a high preference on new and functional. And we found that like design and functionality live pretty well together in our models. Uh, and I think that's what's been driving customers to us. And then also there's quite a bit of investors that use you as a vehicle to invest in, build the property and then sell it as well, correct? There have been a growing number of those folks as well, right? And, um, you know, they, they basically are taking the time and customization and the areas and saying, like, I know this area very well, and I know what type of welcome home is going gonna, is gonna to be a great thing here, and I'll do the building, and I'll make this a turnkey product for people, or I'll rent it out. And we, we've seen that, and we've seen it as a hospitality play as well, where people are Airbnb-ing them. So, so investors are starting to really take notice of the product as well as an easy way to get sort of a different class of home uh, than you could get from existing homes, which has been awesome to see. Yeah, I think there's a one that I saw on the site. It's like a two bed, two bath, pretty reasonably priced, be a home run in any kind of second market or vacation destination. Modern Cabin 2? Modern Cabin 2. That, that would absolutely crush it over here on the West Coast. So excited for when you guys expand. Uh, yeah, well, we can't wait to expand and get there. Right now, we're trying to run the business as prudently as possible, make sure we're delivering super high-quality homes, keep track of our NPS score. I think that's the other thing that differentiates us. Like Along the way, you can call us. We're not handing you off. We're not, you know, uh, we're, we're not creating a vacuum where you have to be concerned, right? Like, call us, and we're taking care of everything. And we need to be really diligent about how we build the business so we can maintain that as we grow. Uh, so that's what we're doing. Hopefully we'll be the West Coast as soon as possible. Uh, but when we do get there, I, I hope that we're able to bring the same quality and confidence to our customers uh, that we're doing now. What markets are you currently in? Well, we're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, tri-state area. We are also in Maryland and Delaware uh, just starting, and we're just about open in Atlanta. Touched on the consumer side, but on the business to business side, how do agents and builder partners work with you? Well, we have a full agent program. So, you know, we, we think that there is a ton of value in how agents are able to navigate individual areas and, you know, help customers like really understand where they're going to be living and how they're going to be living. So we do have a full on agent program and, you know, and we've got some really good industry veterans who run that program and like know everything about how, um, you know, sort of agent value can work, not just from sort of like a flow of funds perspective, but also like how we can make our customers more, more comfortable about the building process. Cause at the end of the day, like you're looking at a vacant parcel or a teardown and have to believe that there's going to be a, an amazing home there. And there's no one who understands that more than the people who have been in a community and seen that community grow, uh, which have been agents, right? So we have a good, robust agent program. As far as builder partners, you know, where my, my quick plug, if there are any builders looking, we're always looking for the best of the best. Uh, you know, we want to deliver quality homes and we work with builder partners to develop schedules to, you know, make sure that our homes are value engineered appropriately in the areas they serve. Usually our builder partners have a specific area designation with us. And so, you know, they, they cover a specific area that they have local knowledge about. And we try to make sure that we have, you know, our, our builder partners and our, our labor partners in a given area 
like very focused on doing the things that they know how to do best. So we take away all of the sort of hard parts of managing the financing, managing customers, managing sort of the build scope and process and let them do the actual construction that they know how to do really well. And that's been our relationship with builders. And I feel like we've been successful in trying to remove some of those big blockers that, that make projects sort of very hard for them. And hopefully we'll be able to continue to do that with value add services and financial services for builders as we continue to grow. Well, I think this is an incredible product market fit and, you know, we'll certainly be cheering you on as you continue to expand. As I said, can't wait for you to come to the West Coast. Uh, you've got a customer sitting right here. Thank you for taking the time, Alec. This is this is wonderful. Oh, well, thank you again for having me. Thank you for all of the amazingly kind and generous words. I really do appreciate it. And as soon as we, we're able to, to serve your, your, your modern cabin twos, we will be more than happy to be our pleasure. So thank you again for everything. That's it for this episode of Level Up. I hope you enjoyed listening. I'm your host, John Robinson. If you could leave a rating and review for the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. And always feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Level Up the Podcast. You can hear more Level Up by subscribing to Apple Podcasts or Spotify.